0: Hi everybody. Uh, we're gonna today. We're gonna talk a little bit about things that um, we, we notice sometimes that clients think that certain things are uh, abnormal or problematic or pathological. When um, just with a, a little bit of knowledge about how people work and how they develop and so on and so forth, um, these things are really really normal. And so we thought it'd be worthwhile to share a few observations that we have about um, certain things that really are quite normal. Uh, just but just the, a few,
1: yeah. but mostly just to get it rolling so that way um, when we do a survey, you can put more stuff that you want to know if mm. it's normal. And I'll leave it anonymous in case it's weird. <laughs> uh, but we'll share it on okay. another one because yeah. we're running out of ideas.
0: So That's not true. We ne- we're never going to run out of ideas. We that, got knew, of ideas. I knew that would get you. <laughs> um, what a... Uh, I mean, I've got i got some things you know that I, that come to mind for me when I think about what are really normal things that clients tend to think are abnormal. What what comes to mind for you?
1: Uh, conflict in relationships and knowing that we as couples counselors sometimes have conflicts in our own relationships. They're like, oh, not that we talk about our problems, but it's like right. we can use an example without giving away a lot, yeah. and uh, it blows their minds that conflict is normal in relationships. And I also say like if you don't have conflict that probably signals that it's pretty a pretty inauthentic relationship like you're not trusting each other and being vulnerable uh so there's probably it's probably laden with fear
0: um yeah yeah and just as a follow-up could you expound a little bit because there are of course there are of course ways of engaging in conflict that are pathological abnormal unhealthy and then there are ways of engaging in conflict that are um maybe unpleasant but normative can you kind of maybe talk a little bit about what normal conflict would look like that is that doesn't you know skip into being unhealthy or pathological
1: yeah and you help me feed into this because i'm thinking of one example that you usually give but it all comes back down to connection which is everything for me (laughs) is connection uh and that you have to like it's the rupture is not the problem I mean, it is problematic, but it's not the biggest thing. What, what is the most important thing is the repair that you can cooperatively and with safety between you, you know, be able to find a solution together. And it actually brings about happiness. When my couples come in and they're like, oh, it's been a great week. And I ask them, what challenges have you overcome? Like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, typically if you're having like a string of good events or you're feeling cooperative and on the same team, you've probably had to overcome some things together. And now you really, I don't know, you're vibing.
0: <laughs> okay, so yeah, in part, what I'm hearing you say is, um, within the context of a healthy relationship, there's actually a lot of room for conflict. Yeah, that's... because there is repair that's possible, and so where it, it the maybe the goal is dips... not no problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: That, I guess I should have started with that. The goal is not to have no problems and to be happy all of the time. Like that's what I want to normalize the most. It's, mm. I mean, like obviously, like abuse, anything like that, not normal. Uh, we're not going to normalize that, but um, not having problems in your relationship, not having conflict that would be a problematic that would be problematic so yeah um yeah I feel like you were gonna
0: well no I um sometimes with clients I'll distinguish between like uh, like first wound and second wound um meaning that look uh, I also have this term I I call them uh, swing and a miss (laughs) which is just a sense of like look uh we're imperfect human beings um that is just that is just the reality. And so if you're in a relationship with somebody who's an imperfect human being, here's one of the things that's going to happen. They're they're going to hurt you. Um, and it requires no malice, okay? And, and also, we as imperfect human beings, we also have some malice in us, okay? But, and it's going to happen the other way. They're going to hurt you. Yeah, right. But I mean, let, let's even just say like, um, even if people are just acting from a, like they're, they're a good faith actor in the relationship and they're, they're, they're going to hurt you. And you're going to hurt them if you're a good faith actor. And that is, uh, I like that you're pointing out that this is not so much a problem. Um, it's uncomfortable, it's unpleasant, and it ma- I'm not suggesting, oh, it doesn't matter or giving some message of like, suck it up. This is not what I'm saying at all. But what I am saying is um, that's like, that's just part of it. That is just what it means to be uh, in a relationship. But um, we could call those first wounds. Um, first wounds are not, uh, they don't spell trouble for a relationship. S- the second, third, fourth, fifth uh wounds that are kind of the doubling down on things. So like, if I you know say something insensitive or whatever, okay, you know what? Like sometimes it's gonna happen.
1: Say something insensitive.
0: I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna do that. I'm <laughs> gonna take that <laughs> Nope, <or? laughs> not, not doing that. um But you know, let's say I say something insensitive. Okay, well. That's, I mean, that's unfortunate, and it stinks, and it hurts, and it, and it doesn't feel good. But then, if that's, uh, if that's brought up in a particular in a in a civil way or whatever, but maybe even not, and then I'm able to respond with, "Oh my gosh, you know what? Yeah, I, I did say that, and wow, I can see how that was insensitive. That was not so great. Um, let's circle up. Let's connect. Let's repair. Let me offer whatever apologies I need to. Let me do whatever I need to do to." tweaks and things then the thing is is all right well that's you know that's not so bad and and in fact that's actually like it's actually in that repair there's actually it's almost like um when you work out you know and you break down your muscles mm-hmm. so that then they they heal back and they heal back a little bit stronger than uh before you had worked out and it's it's kind of like that and i'm of course i'm not rooting for folks to like get in conflict or for rooting for people to make insensitive comments it's not of course what i'm saying but i'm saying yeah but it's the expectation it's kind of inevitable. It's not
1: perfection. I don't mm-hmm. expect that you'll never hurt me, or my husband will never hurt me. Like it's just that's not the that's not the expectation. Yeah. It, the goal is not to upset me and hurt me. But mm-hmm. if it's, when it happens, what are we going to do
0: about it? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So. That's yeah. That's a that's a and I, I'm with you that I find that a lot of folks you know, when they they have an argument, and it's like, oh my gosh, is the relationship okay? Because so we had this argument, and it's like, well, that's. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe your relationship is okay. Maybe it's not. But uh, that doesn't hinge on whether or not you're having arguments. Um, that's just that's just part of it. Yeah. So okay. Um, a- any other things that come to mind is you know, that you would want to normalize. Oh, all
1: right. Well, let's do Pareto's principle. Okay. And and then if there's time for these other ones, so I'll squeeze them in really fast at the end.
0: Boy, uh, Paul Rasmussen is just getting a lot <laughs> of airtime um, on this uh, on, on this series. But uh, he, he taught us something. Um, there's something called the Pareto distribution. And you can f- find it in all kinds of things, but it, it, uh, in nature and in systems or whatever. But, it's, you know, you may have heard of it before, not under that name. But a Pareto distribution is kind of a 20 percent, 80 percent split between things. And, um, yeah, and you, and you can find that distribution popping up in a, in a yeah, just like all over the place. But um, within life, this is a, a lesson that we learned from Paul. Paul has this idea that look about twenty percent of life is gonna that's gonna be the good stuff, and uh, the other eighty percent is what he calls BS, and we, we all kind of think we know. It. And then he says oh, that's the burdensome stuff, <laughs> And <that laughs> which has is, a chuckle, <laughs> which is always a nice little uh, <laughs> a laugh to it, um, it's, which is so Paul, you know, it's so typical of him. But um, yeah, most people think that like okay, well. Like maybe even really reasonable people, you know, not idealistic people think that life should be, you know, fifty fifty. You know, it's it's half good stuff, half bad stuff. And that's just it's just not the reality. Like the reality is is that our minds and our bodies have a natural bias towards unpleasant things. Which and that, is
1: good, by the way. Yeah. Our bodies are wired that way to keep us alive. Like that's mm-hmm. one of the adaptive purposes of anxiety, which we've talked about a bunch, but it's like, I actually invite my clients when they have anxiety to be like, thanks. Just because like your body is trying to save you from something. It's like, Hey, you're Sharon, you're in this new place. We don't go here. What are you doing here? Where's the lion? And like, mm-hmm. this, these are really great responses.
0: I'll, I'll sometimes paint a picture for my clients of, um, I say, okay, I want to, I want you to imagine that it's summertime i we go to Alaska <laughs> and we're in this beautiful valley uh and you know there's wildflowers and butterflies flitting from wildflower to wildflower and you know there's a little babbling brook with salmon in it you know they're swimming and there's snow-capped peaks and then about 25 yards this way there's a grizzly bear and then there's you know these big tall trees and a fox frolicking through the through the grass and, and the wildflowers and then i pause and i say and what are you paying attention to in this little thing and they'll say well the, the grizzly bear and I said, and that's right. And I said, I said, now why, why you gotta be so negative? You know, wh- wh- I mean, I just told you twenty-five so positive negative. things. Why are you focusing on the grizzly bear? And they, and they get this kind of sheepish face on, like, I don't know. <laughs> and they think that they're in trouble, but of course normal. they're not.
1: It's normal. <laughs> that's
0: normal because here's the thing: if I don't pay attention to the butterfly, I don't die. If I don't pay attention to the grizzly bear, maybe I die. Maybe I get eaten. And so that's it's just to illustrate that it is understandable and a natural part of how we process the world that we are more bent towards negative stuff. I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe the world really is like 50-50, havesies on like good stuff and, and, and burdensome stuff. But our ability to perceive that, even if that's true, and actually I'm not convinced that that's actually true, oh, but let's even say that it was, our ability to perceive that is completely negated by what cognitive psychologists call negativity bias. And so then, but there's this added problem, right, that, that, that happens where, let's say that your life is, you know, like life is, which is, you know, 20% good stuff and 80% burdensome stuff. But your expectation is that it should be, let's say, 60-40 the other way. Well, now, not only do you have to deal with all the burdensome stuff of life, but you, you exacerbate the yucky stuff by saying, and it shouldn't be this way. It shouldn't be this hard. I shouldn't feel these feelings as often as I do. I should never be uncomfortable. I sh- it should be only be very rare that I'm uncomfortable or afraid or anxious or sad or angry or frustrated or you know fill in the blank. Um, and that's it. So just to help folks understand, no, like this is just part of life. Things often Maybe even most of the time, they're either kind of neutral and bland or like genuinely unpleasant. And our our task is not to try to change those proportions. Our task is to learn how to manage and tolerate the 80 and mediate it, yeah. you know, and then to really, really savor the 20. That, in it. Yeah. That's the that's the goal. Not and but a lot of folks they come to us and what they want us to do is like. Let's, you know, let's consult with the gods and, um, and and get the fates on my side so that we can get this thing, you know, set right. And it's there's there's no setting that right. It just is what it is. But then we have say with – it's almost like what we talked about our last episode of, like, it's what we do with that eighty twenty 20 split that, you know, there are some really meaningful differences that can happen in there.
1: Yeah, and it's – I would imagine it would be a huge relief to be like, oh, okay. So not that – I'm not supposed to really. The math doesn't work out that 80% of the time I'm supposed to be happy. Because they do, they come in, I want to be happy all the time, and I'm like, you'd get bored. So no, <laughs> I will not help you with that.
0: <laughs> well, you know, it's and it reminds me of what Victor Frankl wrote in Man's Search for Meaning mm-hmm. that he said, you know, there's uh, existential psychologists really believe that anxiety was the the base state for human beings. Is that like, just built into the architecture of who we are, There's there's anxiety. And um, but Frankel said that we worsen it when we give people the impression that they should never be anxious because now not only are they anxious, but they're also anxious about being anxious. Panic. And uh, <laughs> and then, I, which interestingly enough, that's a lot of how we treat panic disorder, um, is that we help people say, "Oh yeah, I am. I'm, I'm feeling anxious," and and but I don't have to decide that. Oh, and that is so bad. And, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen? And am I going to die? Am I dying? Am I having a heart attack? You know, and you pile on and pile on and pile on. Just say, oh, there it is. That's, oh, that's anxiety. That doesn't feel very good. Thanks,
1: buddy. This is unpleasant, but I'm glad you're here.
0: That's right. What's our mission? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that, that's maybe another thing. Um, any other, you know, little thing that comes to mind? and We don't want to make this too long, but um, any maybe one more thing. That uh, we, can we can make it short. Just normalize? like
1: normalizing, making mistakes, not just as therapists, uh, which we've made at least I've made a bunch of, <laughs> lately, um, mistakes as parents, um, like calling out needing a do-over with your kids.
0: You know, okay, like, like when you yeah. make a
1: mistake, pause, even if you've caught yourself because the ideal is to catch yourself before you say something nasty, but often it is after. And I just encourage people to just say, ooh, I'm sorry, that didn't come out the way that I wanted. I don't want to talk to you like that. Can I have a do-over? Can I, can I try that again? works great in my house yeah I think, I, I think I've used it with you too where I was like "Ooh, wait hold on I'm, I'm a little fussy let me try that again <laughs> Feel a little fuzzy <laughs>
0: um, I, I I think that's such a great comment that um it does seem like parents in particular they put so much pressure on themselves to like do it all right all the time yeah, yeah?
1: and it's not all about you it's just not and it's not about your kid either no offense to your adorable kids but like we, just normalize talking about mistakes even if it's like at the dinner table hey what mistakes did you make today because mistakes are how we learn and grow that's like if you ask Ezra my daughter that she'll like, say mistakes are how we learn and grow <laughs> she like knows it because I say it so much and she walks up to me all the time telling me about the, the mistake she made she doesn't come up to me cowering or in shame she's just like I made a mistake I'm gonna need some paper towels and I'm like how many paper towels but like
0: it's yeah, it's it's, great.
1: what did we learn you
0: know you know I, I think we're gonna just need to change the name of the show to uh, things Paul Rasmussen and his Us," because <laughs> right I but this is this is too good an insight not to share um, I remember uh, in college I was in one of his courses and he was talking about parenting and he said you know uh, perfect uh, there there are no there's no such thing as a perfect parent and if there were they would be a terrible parent and I didn't I didn't really get it. Um, That didn't make much sense to me. And to be fair, I was like, I think nineteen or something (laughs) at the time. You know, I was quite young. Um, I didn't really get it. And I asked him. I said, "Well, like, what do you what do you mean? The perfect parent would be a wouldn't be a good parent?" He said, "Look, the thing is, is that what parents are doing is that they're preparing their children to contend with the challenges of the world. And if you're perfect and you never make mistakes, one of the things that you're you are not." demonstrating to your child is that mistakes can be made and that they can be recovered from and um, oh by the way here's how to deal with your own imperfections here's how to deal with somebody else's imperfections you know so on and so forth and uh, and that really has stuck with me um, to remember that parenting is a really really long game really long. a really long game and what it's it's this thing that you can't be assessing every 15 minutes like am I a good parent am I a good parent am I a good parent because that is an evaluation that happens over a really long period of time. Um, it reminds me of this metaphor that I was using today in a session, actually. Uh, Go ahead. A client and I were talking, when I was in college, A, a bunch. it was my freshman year, we, uh, a bunch of my friends, we got together to watch a movie, and I, I got to pick the movie, and I picked Shawshank Redemption, which is... <laughs> of course a, you would. <laughs> it's a really, really great film, it's a good but it's also a very long film, and most of it is exceptionally dark, and dreary, and depressing, and violent, and wh- like whatever. But it's so good. But, okay, but, <laughs> so here's the thing: we're about two and a half hours into the movie, and the and things are just getting worse. I mean, they're just getting worse by the minute. You know, things are just so bad, and it's so long, and it's kind of slow. And everybody's like, Calvin, what the heck? Why did you pick this movie? This is so. This is like so rough. And then there's this amazing scene, and if you've seen the movie, you'll you'll know what I'm talking about, where the the warden. Goes into this guy's uh, empty, empty uh, prison cell, and he throws this rock, and it goes through this poster, and something strange about it. And you're like, "What's what's going on?" And all, and I won't spoil it for you if you haven't seen it, but all within the course of like maybe 10 minutes, this whole, all these pieces start to fall into place, and you get why the movie is wonderful. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the movie, was like, "Oh my gosh, great job, making that movie. Yeah. <laughs> awesome choice. That's I loved. I loved it. It was so great." But it's like, yeah, you can't. You can't be in the middle of the movie deciding whether it's a good movie or not. You can't you can't do that. You you got to pr- place it in the whole context. And so uh, with parents, it's like this is something that we have to learn to do to remember that parenting is a long game. It's something that we do over a long course of time. There are going to be things that even over the course of you know certainly a day, but even like weeks or months, hopefully not years, but certainly weeks or months. It's like it's not good. No, you know, it's, it's not good at it's, all. It's
1: not great. And- there's Something that you hear a lot as a new parent, I'm sure you did too. where It's like, treasure these moments; they go by so fast. And I'm like, my nipples are bleeding, and I can't sleep, and I don't like what. I, yeah, I know they're gonna slip away. And so I think it's also really important to remind parents, like, this really tough stuff also goes away. Like it goes away. Yeah. Um, I mean, new stuff pops up, new challenges, but it's it's not this. However bad you feel like it is, it's not that bad for ever.
0: Yeah. No okay and i'm aware maybe we should just do another one of these too because there's uh, certainly more things that uh we could probably work on normalizing but uh thanks for tuning in and uh we'll hope you'll keep listening um you can check us out certainly subscribe to the youtube page but also you can uh listen to us um through apple podcasts or spotify or other places as well so thank you so much